listener. Kick Bump acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulukut Wollum clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kick Bump Podcast, your fortnightly DNM on all things motherhood. Hi guys, welcome back. Thanks for listening in today. Today's topic is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, I've been very, very keen to cover it for quite some time now and we've got an incredible guest on. But before we do... Time for a Harvey update, I think, Steph. Last time we heard from you, Harvey was transitioning into his big boy bed. Yes. How's that going? (laughs) So from that conversation, we had ordered the bed. It was on its way, but we kind of went back and forth, Josh and I, on like whether or not when it did come, we were going to actually put him in it because what's also been happening is his sleep. And I think it's just the daylight because his room isn't completely like blocked out of light because it's getting darker later and lighter earlier he's really like going to sleep or feeling tired when the sun goes down and waking up when the sun goes up so his his best 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 case scenario bedtime was like 7 p.m and then woke up at 6 30 and that was a really good stretch of sleep it's always when he's like his best will eat really good food and be energetic and everything um and what's kind of been happening more recently is like he's down at 8 p.m. and he's up at 5.30. So that's obviously cut like two hours Mm. in his sleep, um, which does affect them. And we're kind of at this point where we're questioning – I don't think he's ready to drop his nap altogether. However, we might need to shorten it because he's just not tired at the end of the day. And Josh is like taking him on bike rides, getting him in the pool. Like it's not, not that he's not exhausted, but maybe he's having too much sleep in the day. I don't know. However, we have – we have put him in the bed because it kind of just got to a point where we were like, his sleep's not like perfect as I touched on. It's It's been like that since daylight savings switch over. But um, we were like, why don't we just do it? We've got the bed here. Maybe it'll be exciting for him, something new, and we'll just see how we go. I'm only a couple of nights in while we're recording this podcast, so who knows what will happen. But so far, his sleep has been no different to if we were to put him down in the cot over the last couple of weeks if I was to compare. He is still kind of resisting it up until that 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. mark, like he'll get out of the bed and not want to go back to bed. Um But around 8 p.m., if I tuck him in and I say, no, it's sleep time, it's like a switch goes off and he's like, yeah, okay, you're right. And he'll stay in the big boy's bed all the way through till 5.30, which is when he wakes up, gets up and tries to call out. But what we've done is we put the baby gate because his room's upstairs in our house. Um, So another concern I've always had in him having the freedom to like kind of just like get out of his room is like being half asleep and falling down the stairs. So we've put his baby gate back up now um, at at his door. So once he opens the door, he actually can't go anywhere because the baby gate's in the way, which has really helped because what we've even seen in some of his day naps where he's kind of, you know, testing whether or not he has to actually go down and we'll open the door when he realizes that, okay, maybe they're not coming back. We're literally just standing at the bottom of the stairs, like listening to hear if he'll go back to sleep. He'll shut the door and walk back and climb on his bed. So he's starting to get 
the notion of that, which is really, really cool to see. It's also very sad because I feel like my little baby is, is growing up. But um, yeah, the other day when I looked at the monitor and I saw Josh sitting on his bed, reading him a bed night, mm. a good night story, like when I was on my way home from work, I was like, oh, that is adorable. <laughs> like melting at the side of it but um it's also very sad to to I kind of be in that phase because it yeah. just means he's growing up yeah <laughs> but anyway anyway as I touched on earlier this episode is one that is incredibly important and that I've been super keen to put out it is with the incredible Janine Sanders um Janine was a primary school teacher author and mum to three daughters she writes children books about body safety and consent she's done training in the space with Childwise and protective behaviors victoria her books in the body safety and consent space are also checked by professor Carrie Ann Walsh from the Queensland University of Technology who is leading researcher in the field of preventing maltreatment of children. And she, I've just got to say this podcast is filled with so many tangible takeaways. So I just, I got so much out of it personally. I feel like I'm in this phase at the moment with Harvey where because he is talking so much, I'm feeling like I need to be equipped with this knowledge to set him up, I suppose, um, for the best. And uh, what I learned through this conversation was it can start even earlier than when they're, you know, talking. And Janine's also got quite a lot of um, really useful, not only her books, but really useful posters and things like that that you can print out and have around the home. Um, and we'll pop all of this information in our show notes of all of these great resources off the back of this podcast. So if you find this podcast um, incredibly helpful, hopefully you find this podcast alone incredibly helpful. Um, but what I feel like often when we are learning through a podcast it's always good to then have some kind of takeaways and some homework to further let it sink in because it is so incredibly important so we'll pop all of that info on um, where to go after listening to this podcast in the show notes but for now here is my conversation with Janine. Janine thank you for joining me on the kickpot I'm so Excited feels like a weird word to say for this episode, except I know I'm going to get a lot out of it. So I am, I'm intrigued and excited to learn from you in this episode. And I just can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having this conversation, particularly with your um, audience of young parents, Mm. because you're giving everyone a a chance to change culture. Mm. And that's so important. Oh, thank you. I mean, this has come off the back of a conversation I had um, a few weeks ago on the Kick Bump podcast where I mentioned that my son and I were having a shower together and he pointed at me and he said, oh, that's mummy's willy. And then I, I went into like education mode and I was like, actually, this is evolved. And as I was explaining to him that we were different, I kind of stopped because, not because I felt uncomfortable, mm. but I was like, wait, am I doing the right thing? Am I am I doing the right thing by calling it the right thing? Because I remember reading somewhere that using the correct terms for body parts and private parts was important. But then I was like, but is it okay to do it two and a half? And anyway, I had so many questions. And then from there, I started to think, do I have to start talking about consent in these areas? And like, when does that conversation start? And so that is what this conversation is going to be all about. And I wanted to start with when is the right time? And is there, I suppose, different stages, say between zero and 10 years old of these different conversations happening and like how they phase out? All right. So 
as soon as you know you're pregnant, as soon as your child arrives, you can start the consent conversation. So basically, um, of course, they're not verbal, Mm. but as you are interacting with your child's body, as you are changing their nappy or putting on their socks or putting on their jacket, you can be telling them about their body. Mm-hmm. You can be saying, oh, I'm just putting on your socks to keep keep your feet warm. You can respect their autonomy and their, their body boundary. So you don't actually, you can call it a body boundary, mm-hmm. but you actually don't have to ask for permission because, mm-hmm. you know, they're nonverbal. Mm-hmm. But you can be telling them everything that you are doing around their body. And that's that's the beginning. Yeah, okay. So, and, of course, calling the private parts the correct names. Absolutely. Why um, is that? Okay. There's a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is if they are ever touched inappropriately, yeah. they can tell you exactly where they've been touched. Yeah. Now, that will only hold up in a court of law if they use the correct terminology. Really? That's right. So saying um, my uncle touched my cookie is just not going to cut it. Yeah, okay. And also if a child comes to an adult and discloses and says, say it's to their teacher when they're a little bit older, um, you know, my neighbour, he touched my cookie, Mm. This is going to be dismissed. Yeah. People aren't going to take any notice of that. Okay. But if they say, my neighbour touched my penis, mm. everybody's going to take notice. Yeah, everybody's going to go, okay, what's going on here? Mm. The other reason too is that if your t- child is touched inappropriately mm. and they say to the perpetrator, oh, stop, you can't touch my penis, mm. The perpetrator knows that your child is educated to tell. I've never thought about it like that, of course. Yes. So they know, oh, okay, this kid's off limits because obviously they know the adult terms for these names and they've been educated in body safety, so they're off limits. And then the other reason is we don't want them to be shameful around body parts. Mm. We want them to go, you know, nose, elbow, eyes, vulva, vagina, penis. And how we model that, mm. that we accept these terms as just normal, absolute, you know, terms that we use, mm. they will as well. And there's no shame or embarrassment. Mm. Um, so that they're the main reasons. Well, I've never thought about it from that point of view of the perpetrator Mm. of, yeah, when they say things like that, of course, okay, this kid might not be able to be as easily manipulated because they're already, already educated. Like that that makes so much sense when you said that out loud. It was like a <laughs> something went off inside of me. Um, so when it does come to your child being verbal and mm. being able to talk, mm. how do you approach that conversation of consent? Well, you start with um, having conversations that are ongoing. It's never just one conversation. And you talk about a body boundary. Mm. So everybody, children, adults, babies, Mm. have a body boundary. And it's invisible. But just because it's invisible doesn't mean it isn't there. Mm. And so people have to start to ask for your consent before they can enter your body uh, body boundaries. Mm. Um, So you, you talk about that right from when they're verbal. So you actually have to start saying, can I have a hug? Mm. Can I have a kiss? And they have the right to say yes or no. Yeah. And so if you're empowering them at this young age, 
at two, two and a half, three, mm. then you're empowering them as they get older, as they're a teenager, as an adult. And that's what can only be a good thing. Mm. So yeah, you start talking about that. And then after that, you get into specific body safety skills. And I'm not sure whether we want to cover that today, mm. but there are specific body safety skills that you teach your child over time yeah. to protect them from grooming and from sexual abuse. Yeah. And I mean... Really, Stev, every time we look at the news, mm. we hear of something about sexual abuse. And um, I was having a conversation recently, and I've heard that a lot more now the grooming goes on online. So a child might be like seven or eight on their phone, mm. and they're talking to, you know, a cousin, an mm. older cousin, and that's when the grooming can begin rather than as it used to always be in the room mm. with the child. So because of so much pornography, mm. you know, children have have access to really horrific images mm. and they don't understand them. So we're actually seeing a lot more child-on-child sexual abuse. Oh. So, But the good news is mm. there is prevention education. Yeah. And if you're having these conversations with your child mm. right from the very beginning, open conversations then they're going to come to you mm. when they're worried or mm. when they're concerned because mm. they know they're not going to get in trouble, that you talk about anything, nothing's off the table. Yeah. So they're, therefore they're going to come to you. So when it comes to, because as you were talking about with with consent, like of course it's not just their private parts. It's like, can I have a hug? Can I have mm. a kiss? So what about, because I've felt this and I have sometimes spoken up about it and then sometimes I've just like been quiet because I feel uncomfortable but around family members who might insist on having a kiss before they go or having a hug like and it's you almost go come on give them a give them a hug before they go so how do you navigate um I suppose approaching a family in understanding that but also where is the line for a kid to understand the difference between forcing them to hug someone than something else? Is that the reason why? Well, basically, the first part of your question was mm. about a family. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have to be their warrior parent. Yeah. Okay. So we want our kids to be upstanders. We want our kids to stand up for others. So you have to stand up for them. Mm. And people, a lot of people of my generation say that's ridiculous, like give your grandmother a hug, mm-hmm. like how ridiculous. Well, it's actually not ridiculous because what it's saying to that child is your voice doesn't matter. Mm. The big person can do whatever they like. They can take that hug from you and you have no choice. Mm-hmm. It's just making them smaller and less empowered. And also, like, you know, they do have a voice And wouldn't you, as I would if I were a grandparent, Mm -hmm. I'd rather have that hug given to me with the love and the warmth that the child wants to give it to with me than just take it Mm -hmm. um, when they really don't want to hug. And, I mean, it's like all of us. Sometimes we feel like we need the closeness and sometimes we don't. Mm -hmm. Some of our kids are real huggers and some of our kids aren't. They need the space. And I think we need to respect that. Mm -hmm. It's all part of consent and it's all part of respecting each other's body boundaries. And then also you can say to the to the family member, I'm teaching my child body safety and these are the reasons why I want mm. to keep them protected. I want to empower them. I want them to have a voice as a teenager. Mm. Um, come on board with me. I'll explain it to you if you like. And, yeah, join me in this drive to keep kids safe. Yeah. 
No, I, th- I think that's that's very smart. I, th- I think as soon as you would open up and explain that to someone, surely there's they can't not be like, okay, I understand. <laughs> well, I can give you a few statistics. Like, I mean, basically, it's, I think it's ninety percent of kids will be sexually abused by someone they know. That kills me. That start. Okay, and one in five girls, one in eight boys will be sexually abused before eighteen. I mean, I don't want to scare parents out there because mm-hmm. I know the work that I do is in prevention yes, and yep. that's empowering and that's yep. positive. Yep. And it's a bit like when we put a seatbelt on our child, we hope that they never have to use it, mm. but it's there just in case. Yep. And that's the same when we teach them consent and body safety skills as they grow, growing through into adulthood. Mm. So... Um, I think I think it's just really important to try and get everybody on board, mm. basically. And what's the kind of language? So, mm. for example, I f- have found myself, I said this once, so I, I'm scared that it's the wrong thing to say, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully he's forgotten it. But I, I said to Harvey when I was talking about his, his private parts, I said, no one is allowed to touch his private parts except for him. And then as soon as I said it, I stopped myself because I was like, I don't know how to navigate where this is probably going to go and I need to learn more before I say anymore. So how old do you get into the specifics of like, or do you, do you treat their private parts any differently to consent of, yeah, I just like, I just, okay. what exactly can I say? <laughs> All right. So I may, I'm actually made a series of books for two to six yes, year olds and yes. I've broken them down into little pieces, which are the body safety skills. So okay, we great. start with consent mm-hmm. and which we talked about the body boundary and people need to ask if they can have a hug and a kiss. And then we talk about feelings yeah. like um, feeling safe, what mm-hmm. that feels like, warm and fuzzy, feeling unsafe. And when we feel unsafe, we get these early warning signs, which Mm. all of us get. We get a little sick tummy, might shake all over. So we unpack that with them. Mm. And then we talk about trusted adults, Mm. people that they could go to. And these three to five people would believe them if they were worried or scared. Um, They are there for them. They um, would help them if they fell in trouble. So we, we navigate that and we work out what the three to five adults they want mm. on what we call a safety hand. One of them should not be a family member. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yep. So then we break that down. Then we talk about your private uh, private places and pri- uh, private places mm-hmm. and public spaces. Okay. So that's also about when they, you know, it's okay for them to explore their own genitals. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely yeah. natural. Can't stop them anyway. <laughs> no. And, you know, we want them to feel good about their yeah. bodies as they're growing older. We want them later on in life as teenagers and adults to enjoy sex. Mm-hmm. So you say, but that happens in a private space, and a private space is just for you. Yeah, okay. okay? Public spaces are where everybody is, and that's not the place for anybody to touch your private parts, yeah. even yourself, yeah. really. Okay? Yeah. One other skill that is part of the body safety um, education is differentiating between secrets and surprises. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to take secrets out of kids' vocab because secrets are a perpetrator's currency. I mean, they need the secret to be kept and they will really want that secret to be kept. So, you know, they're going to do maybe some pretty awful things Mm -hmm. in order for that secret to be kept. So what we do instead is we talk about surprises. Surprises are going to always be told and they're not kept for a long time. So it might be like, oh, we're having a surprise birthday party or um, 
we're getting a new puppy, but it's a surprise. Mm-hmm. So that it's not a secret, it's a surprise because it's always going to be told. Mm-hmm. And secrets are often kept for a very long time. Um, and to be honest, they are something that the perpetrator might use innocently. Mm. Oh, here's, here's um, some lollies, I'm going to give you these. But, you know, it's our little secret, don't count, don't tell your parents, just to check out if they do keep secrets. Mm. So if your child comes back with, well, I don't keep secrets, I only keep happy surprises, they're going to go, oh, okay, kid doesn't keep secrets. Okay. So that's a really important part as well, just mm. differentiating between secrets and surprises. It's really interesting they use that example with the lollies thing because, I mean, I, I, I've definitely done that as in like I've been like, oh, don't, don't tell your dad or whatever. Never thought where that could lead. So very quickly I'm going to <laughs> race that and go straight to surprises. That's really interesting. I mean, it is it is the currency mm. that they use. If if the child discloses mm. the secret that they're not supposed to disclose, then that perpetrator is you know their time is up. We would hope. Yeah. Um, so coming back with that, or or being going to you as your as the safe person and mm. saying, well, you know, Uncle Joe asked me to keep this secret, and I said I don't keep secrets, I only keep happy surprises. Yeah. They also know the language. They know the language, how to tell you what's going on. Yeah. I'm glad it hasn't – he's – he's um he's he doesn't know, actually. I've, I've probably used the term secret and he doesn't even really know what it is because the time that I have done it, we've gone around the corner and he's like, Daddy, I just had chocolate or something like that. So I'm like, maybe I mean, it's look, early enough for me to flip it, you know? You can flip it and it's not – like it's not the end of the world but it's just something that we can all start to change. Makes sense, yeah. And it does make sense, yeah. yeah. And then uh, we talk about what happens if someone does actually touch your private parts mm. and they get the language for stop, I'm the boss of my body, you can't touch me, and the default is always if they if they were to freeze, which we all might, mm-hmm. but the default is always to go straight to the trusted adult. Yeah. Now, we as a trusted adult, we need to educate ourselves mm. on the statistics and on the grooming that mm. goes on. Okay, so we need to think about how people groom children and how people groom families because Mm -hmm. they groom both. Mm -hmm. So then we talk about what to do if they are touched inappropriately. And, uh, yeah, so it's just this kind of ongoing conversation in in everyday everyday life and Mm -hmm. it can start really young. And I guess what I've done in my work as both a teacher and advocate is to write books where... They're not really just books. So you sit down, you go through the pages, you unpack them, because I always come through from an educational lens, from Mm -hmm. a teaching lens. Um, You have a conversation. So already you're starting to have a conversation around this picture, around this book. So they know that you talk about anything, that Mm -hmm. nothing's off the table. So therefore, when they do see porn, which they probably will, I think the average age for boys 11, they will come to you and talk to you because they know you've had these conversations early mm. in, earlier in um, their lives. So, yeah, that's the kind of the body safety skills and there are they are pretty much set how you would do it along the way. Mm. Yeah. I found since becoming a mum, I never really used to struggle with anxiety and then since having Harvey... Um, really my only anxiety is around 
his safety and mm, him. Sure. Um, it's not got to the point of, you know, completely impacting our lives, no. you know, like I'm stopping him from doing anything. But I can imagine, especially hearing these statistics for a lot of parents, that this might scare them into, mm. you know, okay, you're going nowhere. You're never having any sleepovers. No one's ever babysitting, you know, just because it's it's scary. It's scary truth. Obviously, prevention is an incredible part to, to hopefully change these statistics. But I, I suppose what mm. what would you say to parents that are feeling that anxiety over like who they allow their their children around and these are like family members that they might have trusted for anything else in life yeah okay so all the conversations that we have with these with our children Mm. are age appropriate yeah i mean when we teach water safety when we teach road safety we don't show them graphic images so it's all age appropriate so we're coming from a a power like empowering them giving them a voice Mm. allowing them to stand up and stand up for themselves and we're there supporting that now as it, you know, like my my daughters, I have three daughters, mm. and I started to first think about this when before I even had children. I was editing a book called Keeping Children Safe by mm. Dr. Frieda Briggs, yeah. and I thought when I have girls, well, I had girls, <laughs> I'm going to teach them this stuff. Yeah. This is really empowering, and so I have taught them that, and I've also just educated myself on grooming. So I haven't allowed to be totally anxious because mm-hmm. not everyone is a perpetrator. Believe yeah, course, me. Yeah. But I just have my radar on. So, mm-hmm. you know, okay, the sleepover, um, who's going to be there? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they going to be alone? Will there be an older cousin there? Like maybe leave the sleepover until they're mm-hmm. kind of not really the body safety rules are there. They mm-hmm. understand them and they're embedded. So I would be leaving the sleepovers unless it's someone on their trusted yeah. adult uh, safety network, until they're at least probably 11 or 12. Mm. I'm kind of trying to get parents to come in just that little bit earlier yeah. and have these kind of empowering conversations so then it works into when they are sexually active mm. and consent is there in the bedroom mm. where, or wherever. Um, that's the most important thing. So, yes, I can understand guys being anxious, but put your fear aside, Mm. do the preventative work, Mm. model it in a way that you show no fear and you're not worried because they will pick up on that. Yeah. It will be okay because you are teaching and educating and empowering your children Mm. to have a voice. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be absolutely fine. I mean, I'm quite an anxious person too, Mm. but... You know, we have to let them go. Mm. We have to let them explore and we have to hope, just like that seatbelt, yeah. we've put everything in place and they will come to us. You know, so many survivors have said to me over the past, if only I'd known from that first inappropriate touch mm. how different my life would be. Well, your child is going to know mm. if there is an inappropriate touch to come and tell you yeah. from that very first one. Oh, it's so important and it's just like it's, it's what I knew that I was going to feel like a bit funny with this conversation inside my body because it's like it's just something that makes me feel so sad. Um, That's okay. But like I'm just it's it, there's been so many I think takeaways from this conversation. Um, I feel like I'm going to be that annoying friend who is like listen to my podcast with this legend Janine because I've learned so much. Um the one question I have mm. before you go, the trusted people, when is that conversation? Because so Harvey, for example, if we use him as 
as an age group example, he's two and a half. Mm-hmm. He's talking a lot. He's, he's actually quite a great chatter. Um, however, I don't know if he knows what trust even means. Mm. Okay. Um, like when I use the word trust, to be honest. Um, and so how do I approach that in finding out? Cause I, as you said, it's not just like who we trust, it's got to be someone that they agree to. How do you approach that with a two and a half year old? <laughs> well, I think you need to sit down with him yeah. and and have, you know, your first about your body boundaries, yeah. these first kind of conversation steps. And then when you get to the, the word of trust, you need to explain it is that it's someone who really cares for you mm-hmm. and that if you were hurt, like you cut your finger or something, they would take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um that they listen to you Mm. and then, of course, he's probably going to say you, (laughs) which is number one, and then he's probably going to say your partner. Mm -hmm. Then he's probably going to say your mother. Yeah, my nana. His nana sees sees him once a week. And, you know, at that age, um, that and and maybe you have a really good friend. I know Laura is your really mm. good friend. He might say Laura, mm-hmm. which is one outside the family. And then that's okay. Yeah, okay. That's okay for now. Yeah. And then later on, maybe when he is going to school, mm-hmm. you could check in again and see if these sa- people on his safety network are the same that he would like, or maybe he might like to add his teacher. So um, I think then he, then he would know that mm. these people – and. And they need the people that he has honoured by mm. putting on his safety network need to know how important it is. Yes. They need to know yep. what you're doing in the home, how you're teaching body safety. And they need to be like really, really proud mm. that they've been asked. I have a friend, look, we haven't actually ever met, but, she, but through my work, she's in Queensland. And her son, who is um, lovely, he's actually put me. And I just was like, he got on the phone and asked me to be on his safety network and I was like I'm just feeling so proud right now that you you felt that you could trust me Mm. and so that was really important there is a little distance so with Harvey he's only two and a half so he needs people who are close by yeah yeah okay amazing and then I just I've thought of more more questions um so when he's in the shower or in the bath and I'm washing him Mm -hmm. do I have to I mean, I feel like the question, I mean, the answer is going to be yes, but is it better that I ask him if I can wash his body every time I do it? Yeah. Okay. What about changing his nappy if he doesn't want me to change his nappy? Okay. You have, this is a good question. <laughs> this is a good question. I get this one. Because he's still in nappies. <laughs> you, you, you need to say, it's a bit like people say, but what about when they're crossing the road they, and they don't want to hold my hand? Okay. Oh, that happens to me every day. Every day. <laughs> okay. Dependence. So you have to say it. I am your safe person. Yeah. And my okay. job is to keep you safe. Yeah. And sometimes in order to keep you safe, I need to hold your hands. Okay. I need to clean your bottom mm. because you're going to get a rash mm. and you're going to get sick and that's not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So being your safe person, I ha- these are some of the things that I have to do. Mm-hmm. Kind of giving them the autonomy, explaining it to them rather than just doing it. Yeah, okay. And then saying, and so are you okay with that? And he will probably say yes mm. because you've explained the reason why you need to do it and that you are his safe person. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, that's really important. And the other thing is with consent too is always modelling consent and respect mm. in your home. So kids just they're just little soaks. They just watch everything you do. Yeah. So how you interact with your partner, how you interact with other people, uh, he'll be watching. So that consent can come in there as well yeah. and that respect for one another as yeah. well. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to having this conversation and being able to share it. Um, and I really can't thank you enough for all the work that you're doing. It's incredible. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you and having you on Kickball. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining, guys. Hope you enjoyed that chat. If you would like more info, you can check out our show notes of the episode. And if you would like to get involved with the KickPod, you can find us on Instagram at KickPod. Send us a voice note or DM or question there, and we'll be posting all our videos and behind the scenes on that KickPod Insta too. So you can show your support by giving us a follow. And if you would like to join a bit of a virtual mothers group is what we like to call it. We have our Kick Bump Facebook group. So you're all welcome there. Uh, there's so much love and support in that group. It's something that I'm very proud to be a part of and we would love to have you. If you would like to learn more about Kick, you can head to our website, kickapp.com, or you can head to the Apple Store and Google Play Store. And if you'd like to join Kick, we have a seven-day free trial. We will be back in your ears very shortly. Bye. Bye.